Welcome to the Career.PM podcast. I am Greg Prickrell, co-founder at Career.PM and your host. And today we are going to answer your questions. So let's jump right in. Our first question has to do with getting your first product management job. And I've been talking to a lot of people about that lately uh, in the coaching that I'm doing. Dear Career.PM, I'll finish my MBA program next year and I'm already looking for product management jobs. I love product, but I'm not sure what type of company I want to work for. What guidance would you give someone in my situation? Excellent question. Uh, what I would tell you is that you should try to get as specific as you can about your desires as quickly as possible. And let me give you an example. Being a product manager at a B2C company serving consumers is in practice really different than doing it in a B2B company. Just one example. So if you can already decide, hey, I'm kind of a B2B person or I'm a B2C person, that already gives you some guidance and by the way, helps you continue to prepare yourself to specialize. There is this common core of product management, but the way it's practiced in different companies, different industries, you know, varies. So working at a fintech startup is going to be very different than working at a mature gaming company, just as a kind of radical example. So first get specific, figure out what you're interested in. And the best way to do that is to talk to product managers in those types of roles and learn from them. You can read Google, you will find a lot of material. I'm also a fan of building your career motivation. That means your goals and objectives. Goals are general, objectives are time bound. Do you want to be a CPO in a few years? Mm, that might mean you go to a smaller company. Do you want to work overseas? Hmm. That may mean that a bigger company provides you more opportunities. So write down the goals for your career, measure them with objectives, quantify them. And that's already a huge step in managing your career and will give you this kind of key criterion about the type of company you should work for. In general, what I tell people is in your first job, I would optimize for knowledge and experience shipping products. So that means working with people who have done it, who know product, who have shipped uh, products and trying to put yourself in a situation where you're not working on a product with a two year development cycle. So that you only get to ship, you know, two years into your job or something in the worst case. There's no substitute for shipping products. And when I was at Microsoft, this was a really important metric. When you were talking about somebody, it would be like, well, how many times have they shipped? And that really got ingrained in the way I look at product management. So there is no substitute for going through the whole release cycle, releasing something. So I would say you want to work with people who can teach you stuff, uh, who are the type of people you would like to become, have the type of experience and the type of job you would like. And then I would take a serious look at how often you're going to be able to ship something. So get specific, think about your career motivation and optimize for knowledge and experience shipping. Are you approaching your product management career from a strategic perspective? Most product managers aren't, and it's ironic. You're working very hard to manage a product, and if you can do that, you can manage your career. At career.pm, we can show you how. We can build you a personalized program that accelerates 
your entry into product management or your career as a product manager. For more information, visit us at career.pm. Our next question has to do with a topic that I'm really passionate about, product discovery. Uh, I am on a team developing a new product. I keep reading about product discovery, but I'm not sure we're doing it. We're analyzing the market, talking to customers, and have a low fidelity prototype. Is that discovery? What else should we be doing? Excellent question. In my experience, very few organizations really do formal discovery. They do discovery activities, but don't do it as a process. So let's define what product discovery is. As I just said, it is a process that takes us from an idea about something we could build through a decision to make a significant investment in that thing. So it's really about de-risking a significant investment. We don't do product discovery every day for every feature. If we're thinking about a new product or serving a new market that will have a whole new maybe feature area in our product, it behooves us to do some discovery. And to put it in context, if we think about product development all up, this science of finding market needs and building products, we can divide it into two phases. There's product discovery, which we're talking about today, where I make this decision to invest in something. And then there's product delivery. And in most organizations, that's really changing gears. There's a different set of organizations and practices and accountabilities for delivery. So we want to go from this idea, hey, we could build the next big mousetrap to a decision to, hey, we should actually invest in developing this thing. So if it's a process as activities, and we think about product discovery as a set of phases, this just helps you get your head around it. Uh, we usually start with what we call a business model gut check. We have a tool called the product decision canvas. You should figure, fill one of those out and make sure there aren't huge gaps in the business model before you go any further. Sometimes you find stuff like, wow, you know, we have no moats. Uh, we cannot convince ourselves that we can win in this market. Uh, we do not have the go-to-market expertise to serve the market. And you can save yourself a lot of heartache. Uh, by just saying, hey, let's move on to the next idea. The next thing you do is a little bit of planning around product discovery. What do you want to achieve? What is out of bounds? Who is going to be involved? And you document that. We have a template called a lean plan that helps you just gather this information. The tendency is as you do discovery for more and more people to come on board. So you want this artifact that shows what we're trying to achieve, what we're not trying to achieve has the contact information for the people on the team, that kind of thing. And the next thing you do is start looking at the problem space. You look deeply in the problem space. You ignore that you're trying to build a solution and you try to understand market problems. There are a lot of ways to do that. Design thinking is actually a problem solving methodology. So part of it is identifying the problem, but you want to really do two things. And the second one is almost never done. So problem analysis is not done to the extent it should be done. But once you've identified the problems and documented them, we also have a tool called a problem profile you can look at. You should validate the problems. You should go back to stakeholders and the market and proxies for the market, prospects, customers. And you should say, hey, we understand that these are your problems and we've put them in priority order. Are we right? And you never will be. You will learn something about the problem, which will make the next step much more effective. And the next step is looking at solutions. And this is what most of us are good at, finding solutions. What we should try to do here is stand back and try to come up with two or three different solutions and then pick the best one. 
our tendency is to have an idea about what should be done and pursue that. Have a little bit of discipline, stand back, brainstorm, think how else could we solve this problem? You just might find a superior solution. Once you know the solution, you can really then round out the business model. You revisit the business model, you address some gaps, and you convince yourself that, hey, this could be a viable business. At a high level, without a lot of quantification, I would share that broadly. I would share that with leadership. Then you're going to go into a phase where you do a little bit of justification. In some orgs, you may build a big business case. Those things don't tend to work out the way you expect, like everything else we do in product development. So in my career, we used what was called a business justification. It was much simpler and just said, hey, this is the opportunity. This is you know, the money we think we can make, these are our costs. This is why we think we can win in the market. This is the, these are the margins we expect. And then you have a formal decision that says, okay, now let's invest in this thing. To a lot of folks that may sound very waterfally, there are agile approaches you should use during discovery. But at the end of the day, before we go into steady state development with assigned teams, uh, we should make a very clear decision that this is something that's worth uh, investing in. And each org has to kind of figure out uh, how much rigor there needs to be in product discovery. So what I would say is you're on the right track. You're analyzing the market. Do some problem analysis, not just solution analysis. Do talk and validate with customers. Uh, your prototype is great as long as it follows really deep uh, problem analysis. And I've mentioned a bunch of other things that you can do to make your discovery efforts more effective. Hope that helps. And our final question for this episode is on a topic that seems to come up a lot. We don't seem to be making any progress here. So, uh, dear career.pm, I'm an overloaded PM at a startup. Management has suggested we hire a product owner, but I'm not sure how we would divide responsibility. What do you suggest? There we go. This thing about product owner and product manager. Seems to be a lot of confusion out there. So let me start by telling you that if you look at job descriptions, there's not necessarily any difference between PM and PO. It's just terminology. And in some organizations, the product owner role has grown to the point that it's indistinguishable from product management. But now let's take a step back and I will answer this question based on the way I see the world. So product management is a discipline. It's been around for a long time, since the 1920s, really took off with tech. Uh, when tech companies realized they needed somebody who understood the market, who understood the entire life cycle of the product, uh, Product ownership is really a function of mostly agile methodologies. Most organizations are using Scrum. If you look at the Scrum framework, there's a role called product owner. This is the way I would look at that. I would consider product ownership a subset of product management. So for a given product at scale, and that means more than maybe a couple of teams, you can easily have this hierarchy where there's a product manager or a small team of product managers for the product. And then on each team of 10, each agile team, whatever you want to call them, there is a product owner. And the PMs tend to be more outward looking and strategically oriented. The POs are busy operationally keeping the product team fed 
keeping the backlog prioritized, answering questions, making sure things are described level at a level of detail that supports implementation. That doesn't mean product owners don't have an interest in what's strategic. It doesn't mean that product managers should ignore the operational side. Let's not be oversimplistic. There's big overlap, but these folks work as a virtual team regardless of the reporting relationships. And in my experience, what I see most often is product owners reporting to engineering. The purist in me says that's not ideal. You want to separate functional people from technical people, or you end up with a very technology-led product. But I've seen this arrangement work beautifully. I think PM should definitely be independent of engineering. The product management team should be building the roadmap, doing most of the engagement with the market, with customers, sharing that information with product owners, pulling product owners in as it makes sense. And then product owners, it's almost more than full-time work just driving a team making sure that the stories are complete, uh, accepting their work in sprint reviews, those kinds of things. And of course, the product owner should make sure that the product manager understands what's happening, happening operationally. So that is the short answer. I think there is a role for both PM and POs in a lot of organizations. Typically what I see work best is when PMs focus on the more strategic work, POs are more operationally oriented, but they work together very tightly as an integrated virtual team. In your situation, by the way, uh, it's a little odd that you're a single PM and there's a single PO within an organization, but I have seen this in my coaching and it works beautifully. Sometimes, especially with a new product, there's just too much work to be done. You're constantly engaged with prospects, with partners, you're trying to define the pricing model, do a million things, manage the expectations of the founders. And it's very difficult to also keep the team fed, meaning, you know, good stories, prioritization, all that. So I definitely see value. If you feel overloaded, uh, I would take that step uh, before they change their mind, get a PO on board, get them focused on the operational aspects. That frees you up to think more strategically and make sure that you work very tightly uh, with the PO as a virtual team, or maybe they even report to you. So much the better. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, give us a like, share with your colleagues. That's a great way to support our podcast. If you have questions that you would like us to answer in future episodes, you can send them to team at career.pm. We'll see you next time.